My dear friends, today is the Sunday within the octave of the Feast of the Sacred Heart. Now the epistle for the Sunday within the octave of the Sacred Heart is taken from St. Peter's first epistle, the fifth chapter. Dearly beloved, be you humbled under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in the time of visitation, casting all your care upon him, for he hath care of you. Be sober and watch, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist ye strong in faith, knowing that the same affliction befalls your brethren who are in the world. But the, grace of God, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a little, will himself perfect you and confirm you and establish you. To him be glory and empire forever and ever. Amen. And the Holy Gospel. It's taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 15. At that time, the publicans and sinners drew nigh unto Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spoke to them this parable, saying, What man of you that hath a hundred sheep, and if he shall lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety-nine in the desert, and go after that which was lost until he found it? And when he hath found it, he laid upon his shoulders rejoicing, and coming home, called together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. I say to you that even so there shall be joy in heaven upon one sinner that doth penance, more than upon ninety-nine just who need not penance. Or what woman, having ten groats, if she lose one groat, doth not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she find it? And when she hath found it, she calleth together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the groat which I had lost. So I say to you, there shall be joy before the angels of God upon one sinner doing penance. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. There will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents more than over ninety-nine just who have no need of repentance. Words taken from the Gospel of today's Mass in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When our country was first beginning, there were different colonies that of course, were established, and there were groups that were sent over from Europe to begin these colonies. And one of the first leaders in the country in the 17th century was a military leader by the name of Miles Standish. He came with the Plymouth colony, and he set up the land which we now today call Massachusetts. He served very nobly and very admirably in that position until his death in 1656. And he proved extremely capable in all manners of government and leading of that new colony. But throughout his 72 years of life, he, died, he lived and died completely alone. He eventually died on his farm in Dukesbury, Massachusetts, without ever having taken a wife or having had a family. And Longfellow records why he never married, because he had made a mistake early in life. He was very well known for leading men in battle, and he was very capable at telling this man to go here, that man to go there. He knew exactly what he needed to do to get the best out of men. But when it came to understanding the heart or the soul of a fellow human being, 
he declared of himself that he was a man of wars and not words. So it happened when he was a young man that he took a liking to a certain girl named Priscilla. And in his eagerness to win her favor, he thought, well, since I don't really know how to touch someone's heart, I only know how to command men to do what they have to do, I'll send one of my friends, one of my right-hand men, to go tell Priscilla how I feel and see if she'll marry me. So he sent his second-in-command, John Eldon, to deliver this message. And as John was trying to deliver such a strange message for the leader, Priscilla broke him off and said, John, why don't you speak for yourself? Meaning she wanted to marry John instead of Captain Standish. Well, to his dismay, he, Captain Miles Standish learned that his chances at marrying Priscilla had been taken away. And for his sake, John and Priscilla moved back to England so that he would not have to live in the agony of seeing them in their happiness. And he then spent the rest of his days in sadness and loneliness, but he learned that valuable lesson that if you're going to tell somebody how much you love them, you can't send that message through an ambassador. You can't have another person tell eloquently how much you love somebody, but you have to say it for yourself. And during this octave of the Sacred Heart, we remember that our Lord Himself, the Eternal Son of God, knew this lesson well. That the Eternal Son of God made man, came to this earth personally to deliver the message of the love that resides in His Sacred Heart, for each and every creature that he has ever created. Our blessed Savior came to that convent in Paray-le-Monial, France, and personally delivered the message of his undying and all-consuming love for the human race. This is remarkable because when we realize there has been a great deal of times that our Lord has had to make a statement or teach the members of the Catholic faith what they were to do at certain times. When the Arian and the Nestorian heresies cropped up in the church and sought to take away thousands, if not millions, of souls from him, our Lord raised up St. Athanasius and St. Cyril to crush these heresies. When he wanted devotion to be made to his blessed sacrament, his precious blood, or his holy face, Again, he inspired different saints and holy people to bring this message to mankind. When he wanted to have us care for and pray for the poor souls in purgatory, he inspired St. Bruno and his monks to start this devotion and to spread it throughout Europe. But when it came to telling us how much he loves each and every one of us, when it came to letting us know the secrets of his sacred heart, he did not send an angel. He did not send a saint. He didn't even send his blessed mother to give us that message. But he himself came back to earth and delivered that message personally to St. Margaret Mary. In four great apparitions, although she would see him more often than that, there are the four great apparitions or revelations that began on December 27th 
1673. Those four apparitions our Lord used to give the most explicit message concerning this devotion. During the first apparition and continuing through the next three, he impressed upon St. Margaret Mary his undying love for mankind. He even showed her the flames of love that were leaping out of his sacred heart and explained that he could no longer keep within himself the fire of love that burned there for mankind and for their souls. My divine heart, he said, is so passionately inflamed with love for men that it must spread itself abroad and be manifested to them. And then he went through very certain means that he wanted her to tell the world that he wanted us to practice so that we could make a return of love. Very certain means of our way of obtaining the graces that we need from his sacred heart. He told St. Margaret Mary first and foremost to make reparation to his sacred heart. That is to offer up the crosses and the trials of our daily life and to even look for opportunities of proving our love for him in return. He asked St. Margaret Mary to have the feast that we are celebrating the octave of right now instituted and placed in the church exactly at this time. Of all the feasts in the church, they have all been brought to our attention. They've all been raised to the dignity that they have through churchmen, through the popes, through the saints. It's only the Feast of the Sacred Heart that God himself told us when he wants it celebrated, how he wants it celebrated. And of course, he told St. Margaret Mary, to make special reparation to him from 11 o'clock to midnight on Thursday nights, to make up for the apostles who fell asleep on him and were not there for him when he needed them the most. This, of course, is most perfectly done during the holy hour on Thursday nights here in the chapel. But I realize that many of you live at a great distance or because of your family concerns or the children at home, it would be impossible for you to come out from 11 to midnight on Thursdays. But even in your own homes, you can set that, side of time, that time aside and spend that hour praying your rosary. There are many devotional booklets that you can follow along. Just spending that time being there for him because he was there for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, in the Gospel for today's Mass, our Lord talks about the one sheep that the Good Shepherd will go after. He says that even if there are 99 sheep that are perfectly fine, doing exactly what the Shepherd wants, following his voice and following his call, it's that one sheep that's not doing what it's supposed to that most captivates his mind, that most captivates his attention so much so that he will leave the other 99 to go bring that one back. And so for us, what consolation we can take that if we have had the misfortune of wounding his sacred heart, of dishonoring him by sin or especially by mortal sin, that such a person actually has 
the greatest claim on our Lord's sacred heart at this time. It is that type of person that He wants to do penance and to come back and to be once again part of the fold where He is the shepherd. How consoling for all of us who have different family members, friends, or loved ones who may have strayed from the sacred heart, the good shepherd for a time, but to know that he is even right now on the lookout for ways to bring them back, on the lookout to shower that love of his sacred heart down upon their souls. Let us then be encouraged by this as we make up for our own sins of the past, as we strive to make up for the sins of our loved ones and to bring them back to the one true Catholic faith, And let us realize how important this devotion must be to our Lord, that he would leave heaven to come down and give us this message. He would leave heaven and come to this earth on four great times to tell us specifically what he wanted of us. If it was that important to him, it should be and it must be that important to us. Let us then on this octave of the Sacred Heart Resolve to increase our devotion. Do not let a day go by without thanking the sacred heart of Jesus for all the graces and blessings that he has showered upon you and your loved ones. And to guide you in your acts of reparation, in your acts of atonement to the sacred heart, ask the Immaculate Heart of his Blessed Mother to help you to see in what ways you can most honor and praise her Divine Son. She, of course, knows perfectly how to make reparation and how to please the the heart of her divine Son. Asking her for the grace to do this, she will help us. And with her help and our efforts, we can have confidence that one day we will remain in that flock where he is the true shepherd and where he will pour all the love of his sacred heart upon us for all eternity. And finally, Bishop Carroll just asked me, especially in light of the love and the care that the Sacred Heart has for us, to make a quick announcement in regards to the Supreme Court decision which overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade case which had legalized abortion in the United States. This is truly wonderful news for our country. And no doubt the hand of God can be seen in guiding the decision and having it promulgated on the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. As we have been saying prayers, making sacrifices and petition for the past 49 years, I ask you to now offer prayers of thanksgiving and to pray that this decision be a seed planted for the moral restoration of our country, which it so desperately needs. May Almighty God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.